have really changed the title of this series because we were talking about finding answers to tough questions where really we've only tackled one question and we're going to be there again today and that is why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow suffering? And I believe that's something that we have all asked and will perhaps ask in our lives. Maybe even right now you're living in that. Maybe right now you are asking that. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why am I facing what I'm facing? Because here's the reality. Are you ready? Jesus never promised to get out of jail free card. He never did. Anyone played Monopoly? Anyone remember Monopoly? When you'd go around the board and you had to take a chance and you had that card and you wanted that card that said get out of jail free because if you went to jail, you you didn't get 200 for passing go. Anyone with me on that? Come on. Showing my age right now, huh, with Monopoly. Young kids are like, what's that? You know, that's called a board game and, and it's fun. But we like that get out of jail free card, but God never promised that we would get out of jail. But what he does promise us is that those circumstances, the sufferings and the pains are not the end. They're not the conclusion, but we can trust in him and see him bring about great results and miracles in our life. Listen to the scripture from John 16, 33 from the New Living Translation. There's a real bad buzz up here. If you could fix that for me, that would be fantastic. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will. Say with me, will. will. What will you have? You will have many. Watch out. Look at your neighbor and say, many. Now, well, I don't like that word, many, because he says you're going to have many trials. How, how many is many? I wished it was one or I wished it was a few, but it doesn't say that. It says many. So, pastor, how many is many? Many. I don't know. But in this life, you are going to have many trials and sorrows. But, 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 God says, take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I've been victorious over those things, so you too can be a victor over those things. Come on, I love that. But the reality is this, his victory, and for us to be the victor, many times means that we're going to go through those things, not escape those things. James 1 verse 2 and 3 says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If there's a book in the Bible that you may not like, it's probably the book of James. Because you don't want to hear about smiling when you're going through struggles. You want to hear about get out of struggles. How can I be free? But James gives us a great insight because he says, knowing, 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 verse 3, that the testing, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is just a test. But you know the problem with a test is this, how are you performing? How, how, how are you doing? I mean, what grade are you getting from the test? We can say, oh, it's just a test, glory, hallelujah, but do you have an F? Are you struggling through this? Knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something inside of you. The Bible says patience or endurance or a stamina or a resolve or a belief. God is using the trials of my life to build me, to have a greater faith and a greater trust 
and a greater hope. In other words, God is producing something beyond my ability. And therefore, we see that God uses our suffering. We talked about this last week. If you missed the message, you need to get the CD. Listen to the podcast online. God uses our suffering for five main reasons. To draw us closer to Him. He uses it to mature us. Come on, He uses us to make us, those things to make us more fruitful. So our lives would be a witness to other people. The greatest witness we can perhaps be in our lives is when we're going through struggle. And people look and say, how? how? How can they remain true? How can they do that? And then we know that God uses suffering to bring about His good purposes in each and every one of our lives. But what's the problem? Here's the fact. Here's the problem we face. The fact of suffering undoubtedly brings the single greatest challenge to our Christian faith and our Christian experience. Because we look and say, well, why should I suffer? God, your love, your grace, your healing, your strength. Why am That's a challenge for my faith. I know that challenges me when I see things in the natural that I think should be different outcomes. And, and it doesn't happen as I think or see. And I can struggle with that. But there's nothing more the enemy wants us to do than to question God's ability. And his ableness. And his love that he has and the help that he wants to bring to each and every one of our lives. This week, Kelly and I, along with Rob and Christy, we had the privilege to go to Birmingham, Alabama. We went to the ARC Conference. That's an organization, the Association of Related Churches, that we support every month here at this church. And how exciting to think partnering with those and that organization. This one year, we have been able to plant 120 life-giving churches in this nation. Isn't that fantastic? Fantastic. Fantastic. And we're a part of that. And we saw so many pastors and leaders that we've been investing in and, and, and buying into their future. But it was amazing. You know, you go away to be encouraged at these conferences. And from the first message to the last message, the theme of the conference was almost this. Are you ready? Suffer well. Suffer well. There's going to be struggles in your life. And someone made this statement and I thought, how true is this? Look at this statement. We all have strategies for winning but we prepare little for the struggles. Well, when I get a promotion, I'm going to get that bigger house and and I'm going to get that new car. And when my kids graduate and and they leave the house, come on, I've got plans and we're going to get an RV and we're going to tour this country. We have plans for the success of our life, but many of us don't plan for the struggles. What if we do lose our job? What if we don't get a great report? For many of us, you see, we don't want to believe that. And it's not that we should look out for that and think, oh man, now I've got to think the worst. That's not what I'm saying. Not in any shape or form. But many of us are not prepared for the struggles that we face. And we've got to be very careful because if we're not prepared, we're not going to see the good that God wants to do through the struggles. Because the reality is this, are you ready? (laughs) The real struggle is not really out there. The real struggle is what's going on inside of you. It's that which is going on inside of you. How are you going to respond? What will you believe? How will you choose to live out your life? 
Our theme scripture for this month is Romans 8, 28, coming from the New Living Translation. And it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who what? Love God. That's the key thought in this passage. We get sidetracked by the struggles. We get sidetracked by the situations. But we've got to make sure that the key thought in everything that we go through is our love for God. How is our relationship with God? That needs to be our main focus. Come on, I want to say that again. We get distracted through the struggles. We know hopefully that God's working those things together for good. Notice I added hopefully because that's where we live most times. But our focus so many times is work on the struggle, God. Work on the struggle, God. Work on the struggle where God says, what about loving me? Our focus needs to be on loving Jesus because it says, for those who love God and are called according to the purpose he has. God has a purpose for your life as well as he has a purpose for the struggles of your life. And you know what the purpose is? For you to love him more. For you to fall in love with Jesus. So today I want to preach a message and I want to break it really into two parts. The first is, and that's the title of our message, that we're going to be talking about how God compensates us for our sufferings. That God more than compensates us for our sufferings. But the second part of the message, we're going to see how we must suffer well in life. And we're going to give you some practical helps to help you because at times you're going to have to go through those things. One of the greatest examples that we can see is the story of Joseph. Poor Joseph. We come to him a lot because of the struggles he went through. He didn't just go through them for 10 verses or one chapter. We see 14 chapters in the Bible. Genesis 37 to Genesis chapter 50. We see as Joseph's story and everything that he had gone through. But you know what we see through the life of Joseph is this. That in the midst of even his suffering, being a slave, being imprisoned, we still see that God was there and God blessed him. Genesis 39 verse 2 and 3 says this, The Lord was with Joseph so that all he had prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did. In other words, his master looked and said, hold on, he's a slave, he's a servant, but there's something about him. He's he's excelling. he's, He's been blessed in the midst of struggles and adversities. So what does he do? He puts him in charge. He says, man, there's something inside of you. And it blows me away because I think even as a slave, think about the thought of a slave right now. They couldn't get out of bed when they wanted. They couldn't do what they wanted. They couldn't eat when they wanted. Everything was determined by a master, someone who ruled over them. And how many times in our lives do we say, well, I can't serve God while I'm working this job. I can't serve God. Well, listen, even as a slave, the worst position that you could be where you have no control over the circumstances and situations of your life. The Bible says Joseph still was successful because the blessing of God was upon his life. When he was thrown in prison, Genesis 39, 21 through 23, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden puts Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible 
for all that was done there. Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was, where was he with him? He's in prison. I said he's in prison. He's not liking it. But the Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever he did. Listen, he's not where he wanted to be. I'm sure that's not Joseph's idea of success, prison. I'm sure that wasn't on his mind when he went into school that one day I want to be in prison. One day I want to be divorced. One day I want to be a former drug addict. One day I want to be broken and have no money. I'm sure that's not any of our thoughts and dreams. But Joseph finds himself in a place that wasn't his thought. It wasn't his mind. It wasn't his plan. And listen to me, what appeared to be the wrong place to Joseph was exactly the right place he needed to be to meet a butler and a baker. A butler and a baker that ended up being his ticket out of prison. Oh, I don't like where I'm at right now. Well, look, because maybe the ticket is a lot closer than you think. Maybe that person beside you is the means that you need. Stop grumbling and complaining in the suffering and start realizing that God can bless you right there. Come on, turn to someone and say, God can bless you wherever you're at. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God won't bless sin though. God can't bless sin. Joseph's not sinning. He's remaining faithful to God. And then we see standing before Pharaoh, he now interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh even recognizes the supernatural gift that Joseph has above anyone else. We see it Genesis 41 verse 38. So Pharaoh asked him, he said, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? One translation says, obviously, the Spirit of God is alive inside of him. So what does Pharaoh do? Recognizing the power, recognizing the supernatural presence of God in the life of Joseph. Verse 41, Joseph, Pharaoh says, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. What an incredible story. I wish we could read this for the first time today. For so many of us who are like, oh yeah, I know that. Listen, you've got to see it again. Being abused, hated, despised, imprisoned. Come on, all be, now he's in charge, second only to Pharaoh, the mightiest man on the face of the earth. Fifteen years of struggle, they say, Joseph had to endure. But finally, he sees the joy of his entire family being reunited and rescued from starvation. Here's what I believe. If you were to sit down and ask Joseph, was it worth it? Was it worth it? You know what I believe he would say? Worth it all. Every moment. Oh, during the pain, it's not so much fun. But when you look at the outcome, And I thought about that when it comes to a woman in labor. And, you know, I don't really have much right to talk about this because, ladies, you know it more. But can we agree that the pain is real? That the pain of labor, the travail of labor is is real. And you're going through that and you're maybe screaming and you're crying out, I can't do this anymore. Thank God for epidural. (laughs) Amen. That's the word of God, isn't it, ladies, for most? Epidural. 
Give it to me. Water broke, epidural. Let's take it on. Let's go. But you know what? No matter the pain and the struggle that you've gone through, maybe even for months while carrying that child, ladies, what happens as soon as you hold that baby? As soon as you hold that baby in your hands, it's like you forget all of that pain. You let go of all of that pain and all of that struggle. Why? Because your life is now overcome with such joy, such blessing as you look at what God has given to you. Isn't it amazing that the pain of the moment can be erased by just seeing the life that God has brought forth. And that's where we need to be. We need to see the life that God is bringing. Another example we see in the Word of God is the example of Job. Some people call him Job, whatever you want. He's, he's in there. And wow, if there's anyone that went through catastrophe and suffering, it was Job. Come on. Losing all his wealth, his children finally suffering horrific diseases and attacks upon his body. And I think it's pretty interesting to note that Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. That means it's the first written book in the Bible. And what is the thought from the beginning of the Bible? There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. But Job doesn't end in suffering. It ends in celebration. I want to read some of Job to you today so you can just see the day that Job was having. Job 1, 13 through 22. And it says, Now there was a day when Job's sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine at their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and they took them all away. Indeed, they have killed all of your servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone are the only one that is left to escape and tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell down from heaven and burned up all the sheep and all the servants. And they were all consumed. And I am the only one that is left who escaped to tell you. And while that servant was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands. They've raided the camels. They've taken them all away. They have killed all your servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. How many knows this is a pretty bad day? And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly... A great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of their house and it fell on your young people and they are all dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Wow, what a day. What a day. Job arose and he tore his robes. That was a sign of sorrow, grief in those days. He shaved his head and he fell to the ground. But what did he do? He worshipped. I mean, how incredible he worshipped. He worshipped and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord has given and the Lord will take away. But what blessed be the name of the Lord. And verse 22 is so powerful. In all of these things, God, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. My God, everything he owned. The only thing he was left with was, I think, four servants who came 
and his wife pretty much was almost everything that Job was left with. Everything taken out in one day. Can you imagine a day like that? I know you can. Because for some of you, it was that day when you got news that a loved one passed away. That tragic day. It was that day when you went to the doctor and you received that bad report. We see something that's not looking good. We think it's cancerous. We think you're terminally ill in your body. Maybe it's losing your job. That was a tough day. When you now know that you've got no income, that you've got bills that got to be paid and they're knocking on your door trying to repo everything that you have. That was a rough day. Maybe you have a child away from God. Come on, we can go on and on and on. We know what it is to have rough days. Come on, say with me, the pain is real. The pain is real. But we've got to remember verse 10 of chapter 42 of the book of Job. And it says, and the Lord restored. Come on, I said, and the Lord restored. You, you better say amen. If you want to say an amen, that, that, that's a good opportunity. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wow, that's incredible. Even down to his kids, God gave him twice as many kids. The blessings that God gave to his life. And thank God for God's compensation in this situation. Thank God in Joseph's situation, from prison to being the prime minister, the leader of a nation. Thank God for the compensation and the blessing and the reward through suffering. And for many of us like Job and for many of us like Joseph, the blessings of God in and through our sufferings can match or far outweigh the suffering itself. Well, wouldn't that be a great way to end the message? Wouldn't that be a great thought? Praise God that God's going to turn around every suffering and he's going to give me twice as much back and I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to have twice as much money and I'm going to have twice as much this and that. But we've got to hold that thought because I wish we could end there. But one thing we'll realize in God's word is this. God's word never leads us to assume that this will always be the case. Why? Because notice this. Often we will not experience such blessings In this life. In this life. In this life. Come on, this world ain't my home. I'm passing through. Amen. What's the promise that we have as children of God? An eternal promise. A heaven to gain. So rather, every Christian, we may not be promised everything turning around here on this earth. We may not be promised the fact of healing. We may not be promised the things here on this earth. But I'm telling you, we are promised something greater. And that is the hope of heaven that we have. Come on, that's why Paul writes in Romans 8, 18. He says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. The NIV says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. He goes on to write this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and a glory that will last 
forever. Come on, we have a promise. We may not see it here on this earth, but we have a promise waiting for us in heaven. You may say, well, why did they not get healed? Oh, they got healed, just not here. They have the greater healing because they're in heaven now with no more suffering and no more pain. Listen to this story. Gavin Reed, he was a former bishop of Maidstone in England. And he tells the story of a young man in his congregation that the age of one had fallen down a staircase. And at the age of one, he had shattered his back, falling down. And one day he talked to this young man and he was amazed to hear this young man say, God is fair. God is fair. Why? Because the conversation went something like this. How old are you? And the young boy replied, 17. Gavin asked the young boy, How many years have you been in hospital out of your life? 17 years of life. He said, I've been in hospital for 13 years out of my 17. Gavin asked the young man this, do you think God is fair? And look at this reply, because I want you to see this. I want it on the screen. He said these words. He said, God has got all of eternity. To make it up to me. Come on, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? That's how we make it through. I may not see it here, but God, I know in heaven you're preparing a place for me. Come on, God is fair. Can you say that today in what you're going through? Can you say, God, you're fair? God, you're fair. Why? Because you've got all of eternity to make it up to me. And the New Testament is full of prophecies and um, promises of that. Revelations 21, 4, it's the no mores. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain. Come on, no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. Oh, I want it now, Pastor. I know you do and I want it for you now, but guess what? We've got to see beyond the now and realize what God has prepared for us. Martin Luther once said these words. He said, I would not give one moment of heaven for all the joys and the riches of this world, even if it lasted for thousands of and thousands of years. I can live here the wealthiest, richest person for thousands and thousands of years, but I would not give all of that for one moment in heaven. One moment in heaven is going to be what... You see, the problem that we have today is we live in a materialistic world. And what that means is this. We've lost the perspective of eternity. We've lost our eternal perspective. We think all it has to be is my pain has to go now and I want to be comfort and I, I want peace and I want life and I want happiness and I want fulfillment and I want bigger cars and I want more money and I want everything. We've got so materially focused where our whole perspective needs to be eternally. Looking to God, believing that God is going to take care of it. I brought this board up here for this reason. And I know you've probably seen me do this illustration before. But I want to show you again. If this is eternity, is this is the whole world that's represented on this board. 
We would like to think that our life and looking at our life and the years that we would live, we, we think it's a long time because, man, if you've been on this life like I have for 45 and counting, that's a long time. 45 years is a long time. And we can think, wow, my life is so big and it's so long and it's so drawn out. But the reality is this. Are you ready? That's your life. You may say, well, what did you do? Exactly. You can't even hardly see it because your life is just the smallest dot in what appears to be the eternity. And we can think, wow, the struggles and the suffering, but look at it now in the comparison of an eternal perspective. Oh, but pastor, I want to be healed and I want to be whole. I know that. But look at it in the eternal perspective. Look at it. It's so small compared to the glories of heaven. Oh, we like the miracles here on earth, but trust me, nothing comes even close to the glory of heaven. The promises as a child of God, John 3, 16, for God so loved you and I. What did he do? He sent heaven's best so that everyone who would believe in him would what? Won't perish, but has a promise of eternal life. There's a promise for you. There's healing from your suffering. There's healing from your pain. God more than wants to compensate you. And I pray it's here on this earth, but if not, there's a greater compensation for you in heaven. You've got to suffer well and you've got to trust God and you've got to know that God is still fair. He's not bad. He ain't a bad God. He's a good God. He's got your life in control. That's the first part of the message. Now let me go through the second part quickly. What's my response got to be? And really there's two responses. The first is this. You've got to know that God is able. You've got to know that God is able. You never can lose sight of that through the struggle and the pain. We, we can lose sight of that, but we've got to remember our love relationship. We've got to keep looking to God that He is able. And not only is He able, He's willing. He wants to bless us and touch our lives. And then the second part, I want to break down into what I've called the three S's. The three S's. Because if we're going to suffer well in life, here's what we've got to do. Number one is this. We've got to live in submission. Come on, say with me, submission. Come on, we don't like that word. Let's say it one more time. Submission. Let's look back at the story of Joseph real quick. And remember the story of Joseph and other people in the Bible are presented and put there, for what reason the Bible says, as an example to us. It's what the Bible is. It's an example to us, to bring hope to our lives. And what I want to talk about today is the submission moment of Joseph, and we're going to call that the pit moment of his life, when he finds himself in a pit. He had a dream he didn't ask to dream, and his dream got him in a lot of problems. He saw himself and He saw all those, his brothers, bowing down. Remember the dreams that we see of Joseph? As a result, his brothers hated him. They hated him to the extent that they wanted to kill him. But at the last minute, instead of killing him themselves, they thought, man, let's just throw him in a pit where he would still eventually die. But they wouldn't be so responsible for the death. Look what it says, Genesis 37, 23, 24. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic or the coat of many colors that was on him. And they took Joseph and they cast him into a pit. And the Bible says in the pit was empty and there was no water in it. That's a key thought right there, meaning if there was no water, he wasn't going to be able to survive long in there. 
he was ultimately going to die in the pit. Not a nice place to be. Not a nice place to be. Here's what we like to say. Are you ready? We like to say words like this. Resist the devil and what? He has to flee from us. We know that from Scripture, don't we? We know that from Scripture. But that's not exactly how it says that verse. Because I'm going to show you the work and formula. It's not a case of me just doing and being whatever I want and I can just resist the devil and he has to flee from me. The Bible is very clear in James. It tells us the real formula. James 4 verse 7 says, you've got to submit to God. Come on, I said, you've got to submit to God. Therefore, submit to God resist the devil. Do you, do you see the difference now? You've got to submit your life to God. You've got to first yield your life to God. You've got to first give your life to God. What does that mean? I've got to give God my drinks. I've got to give God my kids. I've got to give God my future, my plans, my life. We don't like that because in the natural, we want to hold on to that. But what I've realized is anything that's held on is something that cannot receive. But when we give, what do we do? Our hand is now ready. We've got to submit our lives to God. We've got to give to God. And that's not easy to do in a pit. That's not easy to trust God when it looks like everything's falling apart. It's not easy to wake up and say, I'm still going to go to church. It's not easy to say, I'm still going to pray when you're feeling that God's a bad God. Come on, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding today. And you know that's true. You know that's true because, hey, we want to stand on scriptures like these. And these are great scriptures and you need to build your life. But we want to stand on a scripture like this. Are you ready? The steps of a good man. They are ordered of the Lord and God delights in his ways. What's the picture that is that we're walking through buttercups and daisies? Come on now. We're walking through green fields. We're walking. Oh, come on, God, give my life to you. And man, it's going to be, you're going to order my steps. My steps are going to be great, man. You're going to watch me. There's going to be no struggles. There's going to be no pain. There's going to be no suffering in my life because God, that's not what you want to. Huh. Huh. Notice this, are you ready? God's direction can cause us to step through some of the greatest pain and suffering that we could ever imagine. How do we know this? The steps of Jesus. There was no better man than Jesus who lived. But the steps of Jesus took him to a cross. But what was the cross? The redemption for mankind. You see, you've got to submit when it's tough. It's easy to submit when everything's going good. God, I trust you. But it's another thing when you get a bad report. It's another thing when the suffering, come on, it's another thing in the dot of the moment that feels so big. And why, God, are you not taking care of it? Why are you not doing that? You see, in the pit, listen to me, don't resist God. Submit to God. Come on, say that with me. Don't resist God. Submit to God. Come on, one more time. Don't resist God. You've got to submit God, that's the pit of life. I'm going through the struggles, the whys. I didn't deserve this. I didn't ask for this. You've got to submit to God. You've got to trust Him. Why? Because we've got to suffer well through this thing. Amen. Number two, you ready? You've got to have stay power. You've got to remain faithful. You've got to remain faithful. This is the part of Joseph's life. He's out of the pit. Now he's in Potiphar's house. He's promoted. Everything's going well. He's in charge. And guess what happens? Part of his wife wants Joseph. And she tries every day to take him. And he resists her and he resists her. Till one day he leaves her presence and she's left holding his coat. And she screams out, rape, rape, rape. 
And now what? Joseph is imprisoned again. What now? What are you going to do now, Joseph? What are you going to do when your life looked like it was on the up, but it looks like it's now crashed back down? Come on, what are you going to do? When, when today you get a blessing, but tomorrow there's another obstacle that's facing you. What, what are you going to do? You've got to have stay power. You've got to have stay power. Why? Because notice this, through the struggle, don't eject the word that God has given to you. It's so easy just to eject that and forget that. You've got to hold on to it. Come on, what do they say when you get to the end of a rope? What have you got to do? You've got to tie a knot. And you've got to hold on, baby. Come on. You've got to hold on. For your dear life. Why? Here's the big picture of it all. Are you ready? The struggle is not really after you. But the struggle is after the word that God has put inside of you. That promise he gave for your families. That promise he gave for your life. That's what the struggle is trying to do. For you to abort those promises before you see them come to fruition in your life. Because Satan wants to destroy your seed. Because he knows if there's no seed, there ain't no harvest. Come on now, if there ain't no seed, there's no harvest. You want that word to die. He wants that word, that hope to die inside of you. You've got to have some stay power. You've got to keep trusting God. When people are looking at you and saying, man, I thought God would have come through for you by now. Come on, what did we sing today? Come on, I thought he would have come through. But he's still faithful. He's still able. He's still willing. Come on, walking around these walls. I thought by now they would fall. But God, you have never failed me yet. And you never will. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence and what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Come on, say with me, yet. Come on, I love that. Come on, faith is the confidence in what I hope for and its assurance of what we do not see yet. We're still trusting God and we're still believing that God is going to come through in the circumstances and situations of my life. But here's the question. Do you believe what God says or do you believe what you see? Come on, are you believing what you're seeing today or are you holding on to what God says, I'm trying to help you through the struggle today. Come on, I'm trying to help you through the pain of your life today. Because during the struggle, what we see and what God says many times can be polar opposites. So far removed from each other. I remember when I went through a divorce, I remember the struggle that was in my life. Saw the turmoil that my kids were going from home to home, just the struggle that they were in. And I remember one particular time I was driving back from Atlanta. I just visited my family. I think it was over a holiday time and it was that particular holiday. I didn't have my kids with me. And, and I remember driving back and I was broken hearted. I wanted to celebrate. I think it was Christmas with my family and they weren't with me. I had them for Thanksgiving but not with me for Christmas. And I was just so broken hearted and I was crying out to God and I was really praying for my kids. And somewhere between Atlanta... And Baton Rouge, God showed up in my car. I really say that. God showed up and God gave me such a promise. With tears streaming down my face, God really spoke to me and said, I'm going to keep your kids. I'm going to take care of your kids. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Thank God for that, but I've got to see it every day. Come on, because we've got a daughter who's away from God right now and it's easy to see that. But you've got to see the fact that God is still faithful. 
You've got to see it through when your daughter says, I want to join the Air Force and the fear that comes in. Well, what if she's, what happens to her? You've got to see, God, you're going to keep me. Come on, you've got to see it when your kids go to high school. You've got to see it when your kids go to college. You've got to see it when your kids rebel. You've got to see it through the bus. What am I talking about? The bus. That was Luke's, one of his biggest challenges he's faced in his life was the bus for middle school. Learned more bad stuff on the bus for middle school than he probably has in his whole life. His eyes were really opened. There's one particular time that he was on the bus and someone was telling him all this stuff. And Kelly says, man, get away from those people. Don't sit with those boys. And and he looked at his mom and said, it wasn't a boy, it was a girl. (laughs) What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Do you see God's word or do you see in the natural? What appears not to be going. Come on, you've got to stay engaged. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to engage. You've got to stay engaged. Come on, you need to tell someone that today. But really, you're telling yourself that today. I've got to stay engaged. I've got to stay holding on. I can't give up. Why is that? Look at this. Because through the struggle, we tend to disengage from the actual thing that we need to engage in. Well, I could preach that. I haven't got time. But during the struggle, where are we? We're not in church because we're too busy. We're too broken hearted. We're too overcome. Where's your word? Where's your reading? What are you doing with all those things? Oh, you're not praying. You're not in Bible. You're not in proper connection. Why? Because you're disengaging through the struggle from the things that you need to be engaging in. The anchors of your life, the anchors of your soul. But remember... Joseph does the right thing and he's still thrown in prison. Sometimes it got to get worse before it gets better. You got to hold on. You got to hold on. Last one, are you with me? Service, service, service. The three S's, submission, stay power and service. This is the part of the story when Joseph now, 15 years into his life, is standing before Pharaoh. And listen to me. He's now standing before someone serving their dream while his dream is still unfulfilled. I said he's now standing before someone else fulfilling their dream. Remember, he interpreted his dream. But yet the dream that he has, the dream that got him in trouble, that his brothers would bow down, that God would use him, that dream is still dead, he thinks, inside of him. Come on, can you do that? Really, I mean, can you do that? Can you serve someone else's dream while it appears that your dream is still dead? Can you rejoice in someone else's miracle while you feel that you're forgotten and God doesn't even know your address? Can you rejoice with someone else? That's why I, I, I worry when people say, man, pastor, if I get more time, then I'll give to the church. If I, if I get more money, if I get that promotion, then I'll give. If God blesses me, then I'll, I'll do I get worried with those kind of things because here's what I've learned in my life. Are you ready? You'll never see your dream fulfilled if you're not going to serve someone else's dream. <laughs> if you are not faithful in the little, God says he won't bless you in the much. Listen to me. Can you pray for someone else while you're still sick? Let me say it this way. Can you get excited for someone else's miracle when yours still appears to be dead? It's easy to say yes in church, but what are you going to say on Monday? What are you going to say Tuesday? Come on, we've got to submit, we've got to have stay power, and we've got to be ready to serve. Because notice this, are you ready? Not the end of the story, but this is serving Pharaoh's dream brought about his dream. 
Because now he's second in charge and his brothers have to come and bow before him. And suddenly he realizes, there it is, God, you have been faithful. Everything of my life has set me up for this moment. Got to close today. Band, you can come back. What do I know? God's not pushing you into the struggles. God's not pushing you into something. But you know what God is doing? He's pulling you through the struggles. Come on, come on. What do, what do I know about that? Come up here, Bob, with me real quick. Can you come up here, Bob, with me real quick? I want you to see this today. Are you ready? If someone is pushing you from the struggles, what happens? You are propelled against them. So God's not pushing you away from where he's at. Because that's the promise that we have. I'll never leave you or forsake you. But what does God do? God says, I'm pulling you through. What does that mean? I'm in the struggle with you. Come on, I'm going before you. And I'm your hope and I'm your strength. Thanks, Bob. So many times we feel rejected by God. You just pushed me and left me. God says, no, I'm pulling you through these things. Why? Because through the struggles... God's pulling you to his fulfillment for your life, to your dreams and to the plans. And if not here on earth, then one day in heaven, because he's already prepared that for you. One other statement and then I'm going to leave you. We know the struggle is real. We know the pain is real. But I want you to hear this. The struggle is preparing you for it not keeping you from it. Let me say that one more time. The struggle is preparing you for it, not keeping you from it. Would you bow your heads all over this place?